All right, this week we're going to go over steps four, five, and six. All right, and the first one is pray for help. Amen. Pray for help. That's your fill in there, your first fill in. Pray for help. Psalms chapter 50 and verse number 15 says, And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Amen. So a lot of times we think of trouble as being trials or situations, right? We're out of money or we're out of health or something like that. But when we are tempted, that's our biggest trouble that we'll ever face. And the Bible's telling us to call upon him. He's saying, call upon me in the day of trouble. So the first step that we have to do is to ask. Now here's the uh, thing about it. I don't know if it's irony is the right word, but uh, the thing about it is, is that when we're tempted or when we've fallen into sin, the opposite, we, we don't want to ask God, right? We don't want to ask Him. We feel guilty. We feel like we failed. We, and most of the time, there's sins that are repetitious, and so we, we've already asked God to help us, and, and we just went back and messed up again. So we have a hard time asking, but Luke 11 says, I say unto you, and he's teaching them how to pray. He says, ask, ask, and it shall be given unto you. Amen. So what we have to do in all areas of our life is to bring God into the situation. And temptation and sin is one area where we try, we feel like we've got to do this on our own, right? We don't invite him into it, but we need to invite him in. I remember pastor, I don't know if anybody remembers this, but when he was single, he, and uh, he said when he'd see a, a good-looking girl, and, uh, so his, his thoughts wouldn't run rampant. He would just bring God into the situation and say, God, you, you sure did a good job on creating that one, you know. He's bringing God into the situation. And, and uh, you know, that's, that's what we need to do. Bring God into it. Amen. Say, God, you know, you did a great job with her, and so you got to help me here. And uh, so we have to ask. You've got to bring God into the situation. That's what he wants us to do. Amen. He taught us to pray in Matthew 6, 13, lead us not into temptation. So just him simply telling us that we're going to pray, that he understands, and it's his design even, that temptation will come. And we've, we've already gone over the fact that, um, you know, it's not a sin to be tempted, right? We're all going to be tempted. The old saying is... Um, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a nest in your hair, all right? So the thoughts are going to come, the temptations are going to come, but you don't have to give them a lodging place in this old brain, right? And so he taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power. When we go to God, when we can understand that when we ask, that we're not just asking just, oh, maybe he can help us. It's his kingdom. It's his power that we lean upon. We've got to trust in the power of Almighty God. Bring him into the situation. Can you say amen? 
We've got to ask God. And I think that's something, you know, that we don't do in our temptations. We don't bring God into the situation because we feel like uh, we're doing, you know, we're not worthy and we've, we've messed up before or whatever. But God wants to be involved in all of our ways. Amen. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our ways are not his ways. Even when we are living the best of our ability, even when we're the holiest that we're going to be, uh, we are just so far where our righteousness is as filthy rags between him. Holiness of God is something we can't even comprehend. But in prayer, in times when God moves into a service and we feel the power of God moving, there's a sense of humility that you feel because you realize that I am nothing. I am nothing in his, you know, I'm nothing compared to his holiness. I'm so unclean. It brings you to an altar of repentance because God is so holy. And everywhere in the word of God, people were afraid of the move of God because it brings to mind the power of God and how holy he really is. They just wanted him to be gone. It's like the dynamic, uh, dynamic person that was healed of all the legion of devils that was in him, remember? And um, he cast them out, and the, they found him. The, the city came out to see what had happened. They found this man that was used to be in the, um, in the graveyard cutting himself and, and just carrying on, and no man could bind him. They tried to chain him up, and he was so strong, no man could bind him. But the whole city came out, and they found him clothed and in his right mind. And what did they do? They asked Jesus to please leave. We, we can't handle this. Please leave. Don't be in it. We can't handle this. Get out of our midst. And so the power and the holiness of God, when we're faced with it, kind of scares us, right? It, it brings us to our knees in humility and to say, God, you know, I am nothing in your presence. I'm so unholy. And so even in our best condition, we cannot compare to the holiness of God. He is so holy. He is so powerful. Amen. But he understands all that, right? His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He's the one that's designed this, and he's the one that says, ask. Ask. I'm going to help you, but you've got to ask. Amen. And so in it all, we have to stand upon the promises of his word. And that's one of the greatest things that we have is the Word of God. Let me just remind you about a few promises that we find in Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. So here we have the choice. You can yield unto the instruments of unrighteousness, or you can yield unto God. We all have that choice, and really the power lies within us to make a decision, to decide, right? You've got to decide which way you're going to go. He says, walk after the Spirit, amen? If you walk after the flesh, you're going to fulfill the things of the flesh. So you have to make that decision of which direction that you're going to walk in. When you walk after the Spirit, after the spirit doesn't mean you're going to be perfect you'll fall on the different sideways get off on a wrong tangent but if you're following after the spirit then you'll fulfill the things 
of God. Don't yield your, your members as instruments of unrighteousness, but yield yourself to God. And that's, therein lies the problem, the yielding part, where we have to decide and make a decision of what we're going to do to yield to God. Amen? As those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Amen? These are scriptures that you need to have in your mind, right? And so when temptation comes your way, when the trial comes your way, you can say, Lord, you said in your word, Romans chapter 6, 14, sin shall not have dominion over me. That's standing on the promises of God. That's talking about the word of God, and the word of God is powerful. Amen? For you're not under the law, but you're under grace. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 13. And I've been trusting in this verse ever since I came into the church. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Everyone is tempted. Your temptation is no different than anybody else's. It may come in different forms. But there's no temptation that's taking you that's not common to man. Everyone's tempted. But God is faithful. Everybody say, but God is faithful. Aren't you thankful for the faithfulness of God? Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. And when I first came into church and I struggled from and coming out of the world and yielding unto God and leaving the world behind, God gave me this scripture and I, I leaned upon this scripture and I got on my knees many a times when temptations were coming and and the world was pulling me, and my friends in the world were, were pulling me back into that direction. I got on my uh, face many a times and says, Lord, your word says you're not going to suffer me to be tempted above that which I'm able. Amen. But will, with the temptation, provide a way of escape. Hallelujah. He's going to make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So God's faithful in all of it. He knows you're going to be tempted. And when we come to him, we can understand that he's going to help us and to provide us a way of escape. Romans chapter 8, 26. Likewise, the spirit also helpeth our, our infirmities. That's not just sicknesses, but that also means moral weaknesses. All right. And so he helps us, the spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit is so important. Amen. The Holy Spirit is Christ in us. And that's when we can say, greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. Amen. You've got to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it helps us. It helps us. And we are never, probably never more holy than the time that you first came to an altar, repented, and asked God to forgive you and come into your life. And he filled you with the Holy Ghost at that moment. I don't know if there's any another time that we're any more holy if you will, in that particular instant where he comes into our lives for the very first time. That's when we're honest. That's when we've really repented. That's when we've just been open with him and he comes into our lives. We speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives us utterance. And he says here that the Spirit is going to help our infirmities, those moral weaknesses. For we don't even know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. 
Have you ever been just in prayer like that where you just are so heavy with trial or temptation or burden that you're just crying out to the Lord and in groanings and speaking in tongues and you don't even know if the Spirit is making utterance, making intercession for us as we pray. Verse 27, and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. God already knows our heart. So oftentimes we try to hide our heart from the Lord, right? We try to hide what we're really trying to think or really wanting to do. We try to hide that from the Lord. We can hide it from everybody else. We can hide it from our spouse. We can hide it from our pastor. But you can't hide it from the Lord. Amen. My mother-in-law's here tonight. When I was dating their daughter, before we went out the door on a date, she would always say, don't forget, God's got an all-seeing eye. <laughs> she just ruined the whole evening on that. You know, all I could think of God's uh, watching every moment, and every moment, and but God knows it all. He does. He has the all-seeing eye. We tend to forget that, or we tend to push that aside, you know, and and to think that we can get something by with if we're, we're not getting by. Amen. God knows everything, and that's why it's so important for us to realize He searches the heart and what is in the mind of the Spirit. Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And then verse uh, 37 of that same scripture, very familiar portion. But he says, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Oh, hallelujah. We're going to be overcomers by the word of the Lord and our testimony. Amen. And we're going to receive a crown of glory for the, and when we overcome. We're, we are more than conquerors. And you can make it. Point at your neighbor and tell them, you can make it. You can overcome. Hallelujah. It's in the Word of God. And this comes on the heels of Romans chapter 7, you know, where Paul was talking about, you know, there's good in me, but I, I do evil. And, I, and when I want to do good, I don't do good, do good. Just allow me to read from the, the I don't ever hardly do this, but the, the, the message translation. It kind of paraphrases the Word of God. You can read it, though, in Romans 7, 14 through 25, if you want to look at the, trans, uh, the King James translation. But just allow me to Paul's struggle. He says, I know that all God's commandments are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more, for if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it becomes predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. 
I've tried everything and nothing helped. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer is, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and he does. And if you read that seventh chapter of Romans, you'll find that that's pretty much I tried to get it into our uh, just a, a wording that we can understand. But Paul's just saying that we can't do it on our own. But I thank God through Jesus Christ. Through Christ, we can do it. Amen? But you've got to ask. You've got to ask. Because if not, we surely don't want to be like Adam and Eve, right? Because what did they do? They, they hid from God. They sinned, and they hid from God. And that's not what God wants us to do. You, if you fall, he wants you to come to him. He already knows. You can't hide from God. Amen? And then they tried to cover it up, right? They tried to put leaves over them to cover up their nakedness, but God sees them anyway. Amen? And then this is a biggie right here. If you're not careful, you blame others. Adam said, the woman gave me, and then the woman said, the devil made me, and, and so they begin to blame others, and that's called justifying your actions, and if you're not careful, you can get into a situation where you're justifying your sin, and you kind of feel okay about it. I've talked to many people that are, you know, well, it's because of her, or it's because of him, you know. But when it comes right down to it, when you're going against the word of God, hallelujah, it's sin. Amen. Doesn't matter. You can't blame somebody else. And that's the most important thing, not just in our spiritual life, but it's just in the natural life. When somebody takes responsibility for their own actions, that's when you really grow up. Okay. When you take responsibility for your own actions, that's when you actually become a real adult at that time. We're always wanting to blame somebody else. We're always wanting to put the blame on the government or somebody else or what happened to me when I was 13 years old. And I don't minimize any things that people went through. They, sometimes people go through some tough things in their lives. But it doesn't define who you are. Jesus Christ, hallelujah, defines who we are. And we're children of God. And you can change, hallelujah, if you can leave the past behind. Amen. Looking forward. Amen. So they tried to blame others and that's just simply justification. And this is a very, I want to just repeat this, but don't ever try to justify your actions by blaming somebody else or saying, well, they're doing it, everybody else is doing it. You know what I'm saying? We have to have some convictions of our own, right? And the bottom line is if it's wrong in the word of God, then it's wrong. I don't care if the whole world's doing it. God doesn't grade on a curve. He doesn't say, well, you were the best one down there, so you, you get an A, you know, and even though you are far from me, that God doesn't grade like that, hallelujah, because he's given us the power. We can be more than conquerors, hallelujah. We've got the power to overcome, but we've got to come to him. And that's why we can be real with the Lord because he understands right where we're at. Hebrews chapter number 4 Verse number 15 through 16 says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. 
So here was Christ. He was tempted in all points, just like we are. So there's a generalization in temptation, right? Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Those are the three basic things. They all stem from these things. And so Christ was tempted in all these areas, but without sin. He's our perfect example. Amen? Verse 16, let us therefore, everybody say therefore, because of these things, therefore, we can come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Amen? So we have this great privilege to come before the Lord. And not just come before Him, but to come boldly. He says, therefore, because Christ robed Himself in flesh and dwelt among us and was tempted in the like uh, manner as we are, then we also now can come before Him to get help, mercy, and grace in the time of need. So, there's two important things as we approach Christ in prayer, and one of them is our approach, and the other one is the altar of sacrifice. He says, so when it says, therefore, it means that we can approach God. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Cometh is the same word used in Hebrews 4.16 where he says, let us therefore come boldly into his presence. Amen. Come just simply means the approach. The approach that we have to God. And the word of God is all about us approaching him. That's his whole a reason for robing himself in flesh that he could be, he could relate and that we could relate to him, right? He robed himself in flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten. A man robed as God, or God robed as a man, amen? So he came that he might relate to us, that we might be able to approach him. Hallelujah. And so we read in his word, and all throughout the word of God is about the invitation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. He says, come unto me, and I'll give you the rest. Amen. Come unto me. He's always beckoning to come. That's the message from the word of God. And he says to come boldly. So that simply means to be outspoken with bluntness and confidence. It doesn't mean to come in rudely or with pride, but it means that we can be blunt. You can means you, you can talk plain to God. Say, look, God, you know, I'm trying here, <laughs> and I don't feel like I'm getting a lot of help on your end. I, and I pray like that. I just talk to God for real. You know what I'm saying? And that's what he says we can do. We can come into his presence, and then usually you get convicted later on about praying that way, and you ask God to forgive you. But I believe that he wants us to be honest. He already knows our heart, right? <laughs> he already knows what, but that spoken word, and pastor's been trying to bring that out in his last several messages, something about speaking out, using our voice, amen? And it's important for us not just to pray under our breath, but we need to speak it out. There's power 
in that spoken word. Amen. And so he says that we can come boldly, outspoken, with bluntness, honesty, confidence. Amen. And he says to diligently seek him. And that means to investigate. To diligently seek after means to investigate. Investigate God. What is this all about, God? I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to, to know what you're all about. Hallelujah. And God's saying, that's what I want. I want you to come to me. I want you to come boldly. Tell me what your, what your problem is. Tell me where you're at. Amen. That's why it says, therefore, come boldly. The word therefore gives us the indication that we can and should come. Because of what he's done, we can come before him. For the word of God, in Hebrews chapter 4, it's quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints of the marrow, and it's the discerner, the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That's why you need to get into the word. That's why you need to be in church. Hear the word. That's why you need to pray before service so that your heart is ready to receive the word. You ever walked out of a service and don't even know what the man of God preached? You know why that is? It's because it's a warfare in which the enemy tried to stop the word of God from finding a lodging place in our heart and in our minds. Amen? Because the power of God's word is able to transform us. But it says here that it's a discerner of the thoughts in the intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him of whom we have to do. Oh my goodness. If we could just get that in our heart and in our mind. To really get that scripture and to understand that we are creatures of him. And everything is manifested in his sight. He knows all things. We're all naked and open before him. You're not hiding anything from God. Hallelujah. And if we could just get that in our minds and to understand that we don't have to, uh, we can come honestly before him and he's not going to be up there with a sledgehammer to crash us over the head. He's over there with his arms wide open. We're living in this dispensation of grace. We can find grace and the mercy of God. It says, come, come unto me. Bring your faults, bring your sins, bring all everything to me. I want to know all about it. And so we need to realize that the principle of a prayer is our action causes God to respond. Our actions cause God to respond. Amen? It says he stands at the door and knocks. He don't open the door and comes in. He's, we have to open the door and invite him in. He's there. We know he's there. He's always there around us. But when we move, God moves. Draw nigh unto me. I'll draw nigh unto you. It's on us, folks. And that's why we have to ask, bring God into the situation, every situation. That's why prayer is so powerful, because it's our action. Amen? It's our action. We're getting down. We're praying. And God responds to that. That's why praise is so powerful, right? It says, I inhabit the praises of my people. Amen? So we praise God. He responds, hallelujah, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, amen. Bring the sacrifice, he says, it's a sacrifice of praise, amen. 
the same way as we do when we pray. It's a sacrifice, and God responds to it. So we have to approach God. We've got to approach Him. Don't stand at a distance from Him. Don't stand at a distance, an arm's length from God. Approach Him. Psalms 37 verse 4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Delight means self-indulge, to yield to an inclination or a desire. He's saying here, yield to God. Delight thyself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Remember Paul's praying, I want to do good. I can't find a way to do it, right? When I do good, I find evil present with me. I want to do that. And Jesus is saying, or the Word of God is saying here, delight thyself in the Lord. Amen? Self-indulge in the Lord. The problem is we delight ourselves in ourselves, right? We self-indulge in ourselves. But if we will indulge ourselves into the Lord, delight ourselves into God, that's when he says, I'll give you those desires of your heart. We all desire in the depths of our heart, hallelujah, to do good. Amen? We all want to do the right thing. We all want to live for God. But it's the battle that we have to overcome. But we must approach him. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you a rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. It's not hard to live for God. <laughs> they say it's hard to live easy for God, but it's easy to live hard for God. Amen? You can't just take this lightly. You'll just struggle, 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 struggle. But when you just jump in with both feet, when you just say, I'm going to live for God with all my heart, that's when we realize his burden is easy. It's light. Amen. But he said, take my yoke upon you. It's symbolic or figuratively speaking of servitude. Yoke. But we think of two yoke of oxen that are yoked together, right? Side by side. So he's saying, take my yoke upon you. When we put on that yoke, he's right here beside us. Amen? It's an obligation. A law or an obligation. This yoke means law or obligation. So when we yoke ourselves to him, then he's obligated. We're obligated to him. He's obligated to us. Hallelujah. He's going to take care of us. He is going to take care of the church. Amen? But we have some hindrances to prayer that come into our lives and the one of them is and we talked about it or touched a little bit about it is that we think that we have to get our lives in order before we can come to God right we need to think and to realize that God wants us to approach him it doesn't matter where we are in our life he wants us to come unto him amen we need to think on it as a relationship between a father and a son and any of you that have kids, and they very seldom do this, but when they come to you and, and say, I've done something wrong, and, you know, I, I need you to help me, and none of us get angry about that, right? We're all happy about that. <laughs> thank you. Thank the Lord for it. Or we, we might discipline them for doing something wrong, but we don't turn our kids away 
for coming to us and being honest with us. That's what we want, right? We want that. We want them to be able to come to us with their confessions, their problems, and the hurt. Hurts, we don't scold them for that. At least you shouldn't. Amen. And that's how God is with us. We come to Him with our hurts, our confessions, and our problems. He doesn't scold us for that. He wraps His arms of love around us. Amen. We just need to be able to tell the Lord what's on our mind. Amen. And to be real. He was so harsh on the Pharisees of that day because they were what He called hypocrites. God hates hypocrisy. And that's just simply hypocrisy comes from the acting industry back there where you are a hypocrite. You had a mask and you had, you take that mask away. That was a hypocrite. Amen. So a hypocrite is somebody has a mask on. It's not really who they are. And Jesus is saying, you know, don't be a hypocrite. I just want you to be real before me. So we can come before him. We don't have to have our lives in order. The qualification that he wrote, that we read about in Matthew 11 was all that labor and are weary and are heavy laden. He said, that's what I want to come to me. Not those that are cleaned up, spruced up, and living according to my word. He says, no, I want you to come to me. If you're laboring, you're weary and heavy laden, come unto me. The feeling of fatigue or the wages of sin, that labor, heavy laden, where we feel spiritual anxiety in our life. We need to come to God. God is desiring us to bring everything to him amen but it also comes not just with coming to him but we have to realize that it comes with an altar of sacrifice thy kingdom come thy will be done amen we have to be careful of pride that comes into our lives that's the great transgression is pride that's what lucifer's sin was was pride Tried to lift himself up before God and God cast him down. And that's our biggest problem is pride, you know. Nobody's going to tell me what to do and all these things. That's pride of our life. Possessions that are in our lives that become a security blanket to us. In Luke chapter 9, he said unto them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what shall advantage a man if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? Amen. We have to be able to come to God. Don't let the hindrances of our possessions and the hindrances of our pride come before us and also purpose. Jesus prayed in the garden, not my will, but thy will, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Amen. So I said all of that to say this, is that we simply need to come to God and to ask for his help. He wants us to. He's there. He'll help us. He's giving you scriptures to let us know that it's here. We'll be more than conquerors. Amen. Through him that loved us. So let's go to the next one, which is step number five. And that's simply turning our attention elsewhere. Psalms 119.6, Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. We have respect unto all his commandments. We have to turn our attention elsewhere <clears throat> rather than on the temptation that lies before us. 
But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So here's the predictable pattern of temptation. So attention goes, turn my attention, that's step five. The predictable pattern of temptation is, first of all, the attention, the arousal, and then the action. All right? Attention, arousal, and then the action. Those are your fill-ins there under step number five. And so the first thing that happens is the attention, right? So we have to turn our attention elsewhere so that we don't fall into the other two. Amen? Romans 12, 21. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. In Psalms 19, 14, it says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and redeemer. So it's our heart, it's whatever our heart is, that's what we become. And so we have to turn our attention elsewhere. That's why we need to get into the Word of God. And also in Proverbs 16, 30, it says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. So that's why it's also important that you need to be in service for the Lord, not just coming to church, not just sitting on a pew. You have to commit your works unto the Lord, and when you do that, the Bible says your thoughts are going to be established. Amen? You're going in the right direction. And pastor's so adamant about everybody that comes in to help them to find a job, right? Got to find a job in the kingdom because he knows that if they don't find a job in the kingdom and find a friend in the kingdom, then all of a sudden you find out that the percentage of them staying in church becomes a lot less. They have a lot less chance of staying in church if they're not involved in the church work. You've got to be involved. When we commit our works unto the Lord, then our thoughts will be established. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Wow, I read that several years ago, and I thought, man, I'm far from that. I'm doing a little bit better today. But every thought under the obedience of Christ, that's the Word of God. I get this out, and I pray it every, almost every day. Lord, you can bring every thought Unto your obedience unto you. It's in your word. Amen. Proverbs 23, verse 7. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Amen. That's just common knowledge. As you think in your heart, whatever you give your attention to, folks, that's what you're going to be. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is it. That's why we have all these personal development books that say think and grow rich, right? The power of positive thinking. The magic of thinking big. Amen. All these people know, they're not even religious books, they all know that the power lies in what we're giving our attention to. Amen. Focusing on particular issue. Amen. Whatever that may be. Hallelujah. And so we need to realize that you to take control, it's very difficult. I mean, you just try it. You can't even take your control of your thoughts for five minutes because they're all over the place. You try to think of one thing, and all of a sudden something else comes in, right? There's so many thoughts going on. 
whatever we give our attention to, amen, that's what we're able to, that's what we become, amen? So what is it then that is informing and directing your thoughts? Simply input, okay? You ever bought a new car or a different car, and then all of a sudden you're out on the street, and you, you, you recognize those other cars all that are the same as yours? We bought a, a town and country minivan, and and now I'm driving down the street now, and I say, well, everybody has one of these now. I don't even think I even recognized it before. It's because it's what is in your thought, what's important to you, what is in your area of life, where your attention is, right? And so we've all experienced that, but it's just plain and simple. Whatever you put in is going to be whatever comes out. The old saying, garbage in, garbage out. Amen. So if you're having trouble with gambling, don't turn on the tournament of poker. Amen. Don't watch the horse races. All right. If you're having trouble in those areas, because I'm not gambling, I'm just watching it, but you're giving your attention to that area. Does that make sense? We've got to be so careful. So whatever your input is, is what you're thinking about. And whatever you're thinking about forms your expectations and what you do. All right? Just say that one more time. So whatever your input is is what you're thinking about. And what you're thinking about forms your expectation and your outcome. Amen? And all of these are the outcomes of our life. I'm running out of time here. So let me just, just move down here. To step number six, it says get a group or a partner, amen? Get in a group if you're having air, certain problems in certain areas or get a partner. And this is probably one of the hardest things, and especially for men, I think, uh, it's hard, you know, we don't share our feelings or, you know, as well as I guess the women do, but when we are able to find help from without, not just ourselves, it gives us great strength, amen? Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 10 through 9, it says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he that hath not another to help him up, amen? So he says, two are better than one. If one falls, you can help him up. Galatians 6, verses 1 through 2. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Think about that. It's God's desire for us especially on these uh, horizontal relationships, if you want to call it that, here on earth, our relationship with one another, so important to God. It determines really our relationship with God, how we relate with others. And he's saying, you know, if you see somebody overtaken in a fault, don't just find comfort in that. You know, man, you know, or, you know, you need to go to them, help them. He says, because if you don't, you might be the next one overcome in a fault. Amen. 
So there's three bear, uh, benefits of sharing your temptation with others. Number one, it's liberating. Number two, it's empowering. And number three, it's endearing. There they are on the board. Liberating, empowering, enduring. Amen. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Amen. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and want to convert him, let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the air of his ways shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Amen. We read this uh, portion of scripture and we all think about the effectual fervent prayer, right, of a righteous man, a veil of month. We, we quote that a lot. But the first part of that scripture says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. That's where the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And right in between this sandwiched in between what he's trying to talk about, helping others and praying, he gives this account of Elijah. He just throws it, he says, he's a man, you know, did great things, but he's a man of like passions. He had the same problems we have, but he had power in prayer, amen? And he goes on in verse 20, let him know that he that converteth a sinner from error of his way. How important for it is, folks, to help each other. Amen. If we convert somebody from the error of his way, shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sin. Amen. There's power in unity and being able to have brothers and sisters, and that's why it's so important. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, exhorting one another. We're here to love one another. That's fulfilling the law of Christ. Love one another. Amen. That'll help us to overcome sins. Praise the Lord. Next week, we're going to talk about um, how to avoid temptation. Amen. Let's all stand. My time is up. Praise God. Let's just pray in dismissing. Lord, we're thankful, Lord, for your word and the power of your word. Help us to realize, God, that we can approach you and that you're desiring for us to come unto you, O oh God, and to give our burdens to you. And help us also, Lord, to realize that we need one another, that you would help us, God, to have love and compassion for each other. We're all just trying to do the word of God to the best of our ability. We pray that you'll help each and every one of us, O oh God, to overcome the temptations of this world. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.